not a great day uh, here in Cork. Unfortunately, Cork City were beaten 3-0 by Shelburne at Turner's Cross. We'll have a reaction a little later on for that. And I did mention Munster did buy out of the Heineken Champions Cup. Toulouse progress uh, following their 40-33 victory at Tomond. We have so much to get through in the show tonight, so I'm going to power through this. It's a very busy one. Yesterday, on Good Friday, I caught up exclusively with the president of the GA and Corkman, Larry McCarthy. Let's take a listen. Larry, welcome to the Big Red Bench. Thank you very much, Valerie. Delighted to be here. Delighted to be talking on, on a Cork radio station as distinct from other radio stations around the around the country. It's brilliant. I know, Larry, the last time we spoke to you, you were in New York and there was crazy COVID numbers. And how did you first finish out the last few months living in New York before we talk about your move home? How did you find it? Oh, well, it was fine. I mean, we I suppose to a certain extent we got used to the COVID numbers when I spoke to you in May. They were harrowing and, and living in New York with some of the sites we saw were harrowing. Um, but things, I guess we got used to it at some level um, and, and we began to cope with it. Um, and things were very good before I came home because, um, as my lovely wife says, because of my age profile, I was eligible for a vaccine. Um, and so at the end of in early February, I got the first jab in, in the New, New Jersey public health system. And then on the 24th of February, I got the second jab, um, got on a plane that night and I was in Ireland the following morning, which was two days before Congress. Um, and so that was a bit of a tight schedule, but I'm here since and it's been wonderful. How did you find the jab? No crazy reactions from what you got on okay? Absolutely no reactions at all. Even the second one um, got on the plane that night and no problems whatsoever with it, thankfully. Absolutely amazing. I remember last year when we were talking, talking to you as well, I think you mentioned that your wife Barbara was going to stay and finish her doctorate, but she came with you in the end, Larry. Did she finish that? Not exactly and no. Um, we're still in the middle of the doctorate. We're at that lovely stage of what am I going to do my dissertation on? Um <laughs> which is a onerous place to be in terms of figuring out what you're going to do. Um, it's all going the McCarthy family at some level, Valerie, because she came home in February, um, essentially got, the, got set up where we're going to live in Dublin. And the morning after Congress flew back to America because on the 1st of March, she started a new job. So how does, in this day and age, how does one celebrate becoming the 40th president of the GEA? Well, yourself and your wife go out and get two fish and chips and a bottle of champagne and away we go. And that's what we did. And the following morning, she was in Dublin Airport at nine o'clock and back in New Jersey and working away on her new job. So you're flying solo at the moment in Dublin? Solo at the moment in Dublin, I am. Yeah, no, it's quite restrictive flying solo, obviously, in this 5K. Um, But yeah, flying solo at the moment um, and it's great. No, it's not flying solo. Let me yeah. let me read. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do just in case. Just in case, yeah. Um, it's great being home and it's great being in the job, and I'm loving every moment of it. Clearly, I'm missing Barbara, but I mean that's the way it is. And I know Connor and Shane were in theatre and stuff, and they want their had their sights on Broadway. And is Broadway back up and running? Are they? No, are they, no. not yet. Broadway is not back up and running. There are some art activities going on. I see that some concerts and museums are beginning to open up, but Broadway in essence hasn't opened up yet. Um, and so as a consequence of that, off-Broadway stuff hasn't either. So um, no, they're not gainfully employed at the moment, uh, unfortunately. I know that. We were hoping that you might come down and live in the real capital, but you settled above in Dublin in the end, Larry. 
Well, proximity to where I'm, I'm going to be working was the, was the key thing. Um, Valerie, I don't know whether I shared this with you previously, but uh, for the last 22 years, I've been absolutely spoiled in terms of location. Yeah. My commute to work is 60 yards. Um, I walk to the back gate of the university and there's 240 yards on campus before I'm in the building where I work. Um, and then when I started looking for, when we started looking for places in Dublin to live, um, it made sense to me to be cro- close to Croke Park. Um, then when Barbara got involved in the discussion, um, shall we say the location moved further north? And I won't say I capitulated, but I did lose the argument. <laughs> happy wife, happy life, Larry, isn't that it? I don't know, Valerie, you tell me. <laughs> but look, it is nice to have you in the Cork Radio Airways because I did watch Congress that day that you give your president's speech. And a lot of people were, I know, so proud and so happy that you give Bishopstown such a good and huge mention. It was lovely to hear. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I said it in in in, in my speech that your, your home club is always your home club and Bishopstown is mine, um, even though I've gone through two other clubs at least, Rahini obviously won, and then my long affiliation with the Sligo Football Club in New York. But the home club is always the home club in the GA, and that's that's the way it is. And by the way, I've, I've been, I haven't been back there obviously since, but I got a lovely call from them a couple of weeks ago, and I sat in on a, a senior hurling team quiz with them one Friday night, and it was great crack. You know? um, and I did tell them, mind you lads, it's about time you won a county. <laughs> They'd love to hear that. But you yourself have plenty of fond memories in the Bishopstown jersey, I know, playing underage for them. Yeah, I did. I played underage for them um, for, for a number of years. We moved to Bishopstown as a family in 1970. So what age was I then? I was 16, I suppose. Um, and before I went off, to, I had played with them previously as well. Um, and then went off to college oh, about 1973. But in those three years, I played and sort of the field, Bishopstown GA field was very close to the house. So I spent a lot of time up there hanging around and hitting balls and pucking balls and stuff like that. But yeah, I have great memories of the club. You went to college in Limerick and then you also kind of continued your love for the J by getting heavily involved in the club there. It was formerly known as Tolman College. Yeah, I did. I um, got very much involved in it and, and a lot of the fellas who were around, around the club will still tell you that my contribution was not on the field. In other words, they would have regarded me as brutal as a player, <laughs> um, but that my contribution was off the field. Um, and we had a very, very, we had a very good club um, and we had a very successful run in, in higher education competitions. And then we were lucky enough um, to have a very good run through the Limerick County Championship in 77 and then won an Ireland Club Championship, thankfully, in 78 with them, you know. Um, so uh, they were great times. And there's a man called Mick Scally up in Westmead, who's a, a school teacher, now retired, I would suspect, um, who caught me one night and said in the library and said, would I help him out with running the football and hurling club, and I said I would. Um, and without that invitation from Mick, I would not be sitting here today as, as Uchtar on Common Luke Class Gale, I can assure you. And look, it's it's an amazing achievement, I mean, for an overseas uh, gentleman like yourself to get um, the presidency of the GA. And I know that um, you yourself, were you surprised maybe that you had so much support or did you go into going, I have a chance here? Oh, Lord. Um... <sighs> First of all, I was sort of surprised that I actually stepped up and said, okay, I'll I'll make a run at this. Um, and then when I started going around the country and going around the world looking for support, um, I was pleasantly surprised by the level. Uh, what did strike me, however, was that in the context of the um, election, that the second preferences were going to be very, very critical. 
because people had a very strong natural affiliation with the people who were from their own province. Um, and so Ulster, first preferences were inevitably, not inevitably, were largely going to go to Charlotte. Yeah. Leinster, first preferences were largely going to Jim Bolger. Same with Jerry O'Sullivan and same with Mick Rock, for instance. And so then it became a case of, okay, I'll have to convince people that if they don't give me their first preference, would they mind giving me the second preference? Um, and that's when I began to think, okay, well, we have a shot at this. Yeah, and you did a great shot of it and you're delighted you stepped up and took the chance now, Larry. I know um, we're all looking forward really to the return of the GA. But before you moved home, how were the college with you maybe taking some time off? You obviously planned to go back and lecture there, Larry. You do you know you want to go back and finish what you what you're living well, with? Uh, yeah, I will. I, I, I'm, I'm obligated to go back to them, um, Valerie, um, in terms of they were very kind. I mean, they gave me a, a three year leave of absence. Well, technically, it's only two. But as the dean said to me, look, I can only give you two. Um, but what you do is we'll get the two and then you'll apply for the third and we'll give you that. Um, I think it's fair to say they probably have no concept of how important the role is. Mm. They know I've become president of this sport organization in Ireland, um, but I don't think they appreciate the cultural importance of the significance of the GA as an institution. They've seen some clips and they've seen my name in the papers and stuff like that. And they obviously see whenever I mention Seton Hall, for instance, but I mean, um, it escapes Americans, I think, the relevance of the GA in our lives, you know, and not not in terms of Irish people in America at all, but in, in terms of people who just don't understand the GA or, or understand what the GA is all about. Yeah, I know. You must be really looking forward to the return of it. I mean, to come home and to be coming into the middle of this nightmare, Larry, it's probably not been an easy start, is it? Well, no, I mean, it's uh, the, the it, that's uh, that's a fair assessment of it. Yeah. In in my wildest dreams, would I ever have thought that we'd be in a situation where we wouldn't be playing games. But I think last Tuesday evening and the announcement by the government that we're going to be back on the 26th, that the clubs, are, the kids are going to be back on the 26th was the best announcement that we've heard in a long, long time. You know, and it's it's great to get get some fun back into clubs um, and get them started at least. And then, Please, God, we'll, well, look, we can do this. We've done it well before. We will continue to do it well. Um, but, I mean, the, the one concern, I suppose, the kids will be fine. Um, I just hope to God that the parents don't assemble too much at, at the, the pitch gate or at the field gate or at, outside the clubhouse or stuff like that, um, and things go slightly awry in us. But I'm sure they won't. We have a record of doing this, and we've done it well last year, and we'll, we'll do it well again. But that's going to bring a great deal of relief to a lot of people not least of which are those parents who need to be sort of de-stressed a little bit by letting their kids out running around the place. Yeah, there was a small a small hiccup during the week in this road to return. I know that, unfortunately, the Dublin footballers, we know, were caught were reportedly training, Larry, and I know you released a statement saying it's sheer frustration and extreme disappointment, but do you think something like this could jeopardise the return of play? Um, no, I, I don't think, honestly, that it's going to impact at this particular incident. Now, if there was another one, oh, Lord, that could be that would make it very, very difficult for us. But no, I'm, I'm reasonably confident at the moment that we will get back. Assuming, Valerie, now, assuming that the numbers stay where they are and that, you know, the public health authorities don't decide that they've, they've gone awry over, over Easter or anything like that. Um, but no, I, I, I think... All going well, fingers crossed. I think, yeah, we're, we're, we're in a good place. Yeah, I know. And as GA folk, you know, when they did announce that, uh, I felt like we felt the week defending the decision by the government and then for something like this to happen, it was just hard to defend something like that then as well. Is there further discipline from the GA maybe towards Dublin or is it dealt with? 
Um, well, we appointed a, 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 a Krishna Banishti had an emergency meeting on, let me get my timeline right here yeah. now, um, today, uh, yesterday, um, and we appointed an investigation committee to look into it as we did with the Cork incident early in the year and the Down incident. So we're adopting the exact same procedures. All right, well, look, we'll, we'll leave that uh, hiccup there and we'll try and move on. And hopefully, I know that now that we have the return in our sights, you have the headache of maybe fixtures and a small wind of opportunity to try and keep everyone happy. Larry, is this possible? It's never happy. To, it's never possible to keep everybody happy. What <laughs> a divine God. He, you know, not only in the GA, but even in, li- in life. It's not. No, there'll be somebody complaining. Uh, but I mean, that's that that's the nature of the beast. And we'll 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 have a, a comprehensive games program now. Um, we're working on it at the moment. It it's going to be concertinaed a little bit, so it's going to make it a little bit more difficult and a little bit more challenging. But I've no doubt we'll 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 do it. And with the with the help of the counties and with the help of the players, um, we'll have a program of games right through the right through the summer. You know. Yeah. Um, but the more important element of that is, I just hope to God we get the clubs up and operating. You know, I mean, we the ninety eight percent is more important than the two percent, but the two percent are, are are our shop window. But I mean, the the idea the ideal here is to get the clubs back as 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 quickly as is feasible. Good. So you want a league, you want a championship, and you want a club action. You want to run it all, basically. Well, let me rephrase that. I want club action. Yeah. And then we want league, and then we want championship. I'd love to see the close back now, but I mean, at the moment, we only have permission, obviously, for the intercounty stuff to come back. So we'll we'll run a we'll run a league, and we'll run a championship, and uh, see where we go after that. Fingers crossed. I know something like the NFL has tried, you know, bringing in vaccinated fans to the stadium. Could we see something similar if it was allowed? Would you be happy to do something like that, or is that too much of a nightmare? Um, we'd be we'd be happy to see anybody in the stadium. Um, but it depends on, on what we're allowed to do. Um, I don't know how you would manage or how you would identify that either Valerie Wheeler or Larry McCarthy are actually vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, have we got a vaccination passport? Um, if there's something that has been created, I've seen something along those lines in the travel business. Um, but how do you identify whether somebody has been vaccinated or not vaccinated? Um it would probably be difficult to implement. But, I mean, if we're allowed to do it, we'll do it. We'll find a way. Yeah, it would be you know? nice. Games have been so strange without them. Like, they've been... The atmosphere has just been not there. Yeah, they're, 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 they've been very, very strange. Empty stadiums, you know, empty parky queeves, empty croak parks, empty limericks. It's it's not what we're about, you know. Um, and even if you do pipe in the noise, it... it it still doesn't make it. It absolutely doesn't. And I mean, the whole camaraderie of going, half the, the, the enjoyment of going to matches is the camaraderie and the socialisation that are around it. Um, and I'm not underestimating what happens out in the field. But I mean, it's it's the buzz of being in a large crowd at events. And, and we clearly all miss that. We clearly miss it for club games as well, obviously, you know. Yeah, you probably don't have an easy few months ahead, maybe with the nightmare fixtures and hopefully no more hiccups in the road of COVID breaches. But what are you most looking forward to as president, you know, when things are back to normal? What what are you what are you looking forward to, Larry? Going to club games. Seeing clubs up and running, um, seeing matches and seeing young people back enjoying games up and down the country. I was about to say up and down the world, but certainly up and down the country, because there are places in the world where we are going at the moment. Australia and New Zealand, for instance, are flying. New York are starting their leagues and championships next week. 
Um, so there are places around the world where the games are going ahead. Um, but I mean, seeing club games up and running again here is something I, I, I would love to see quickly. The GA president title probably might keep you up at night sometimes, but what will you do to maybe, you know, shy away from it just to get your break from it? Is there anything you like to do outside of thinking about GA and worrying about the club and worrying about the fixtures? I mean, what does Larry McCarthy do in his spare time? <laughs> what does Larry McCarthy do? His wife will tell you nothing. Um, aside, <laughs> from, aside from thinking about the GA or being involved in the GA or doing GA stuff or going to Gaelic Park. Um well, I, uh, my family, and there are nine of us, every one of us play golf. Every one of them play golf, shall we say. So um, I was absolutely thrilled, actually, during the week. Um, my father played golf for Ireland uh, many, many years ago, and he was an, an honorary member of Muscree Golf Club. And Muscree wrote to me congratulating me and offering me an honorary membership for the three years of the presidency. Hmm. And I was absolutely chuffed by it. Um, because to think that I would get the same honour as my father is is incredible. Now, he was a very, very good golfer, and of those nine children that he had, I am by far the worst of the golfers <laughs> in the family, by far. I have a younger brother who I used to take out um, when he was much, much younger, when he was about 15, um, and himself and the dog and myself, we'd go out playing, and one day he's, he brought me out. Then recently, this was in Lahinch, where we spent a lot of time on holidays, um, he said to me after the round of golf, thank you for bringing me to places on this golf course where I've never been in my life. And I said, yeah, all right, thank you too. <laughs> um, but no, that's what, that's what I like to do. Um, and I suppose at another level, I follow an awful lot of sport. I suppose I'm, I'm very much interested in, in college basketball currently in terms of the American basketball in the NCAA tournament and looking to see if Gonzaga can have a undefeated season and win the NCAA, you know. So um, at some level, I never stray too far from sport. Now, people could say, well, my God, that must be a very, very boring life. And I suppose looking at it from the inside, you might think, or from the outside, you might think, yeah, it is. But that's what that's what I like to do. Well, I'm sure we are all really looking forward to things being back to normal. It was great to have you on. But before we let you go, I think another thing that was really nice to hear at Congress was your... Um, your inclusion of female in the GA and you wanting to have more women involved and hopefully maybe the umbrella of having the Camogie and ladies football underneath it as a woman in sport, Larry, you know, it was it was a very positive thing to hear from you. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I decided that I would try and put a woman on every statutory committee that we have. And I think we've got there. Um, and of course, Anne Looney from McCroom is um, is the first woman to be on Quishtabanishti. Um, and so, I mean, that that will progress and then in terms of conversations with um, the Camogie Association and the LGFA um, we cooperate on so many levels that it is I think there's there's 12 committees central committees of which the LGFA and the Camogie Association are members um, because they're of, of interest in all the topics um, and that will continue that's our work will continue and we'll continue there's a memorandum of understanding to be signed shortly between the the GA and LGFA and the GA and the Camogie Association. Um, there was one just finished up at the at the end of February or the start of February, and we'll go on and talk about that again in terms of progressing the whole notion, I suppose, of the one club model. 
Um, and ideally, it won't happen in my time because it's too big a project. But I mean, slowly but surely, we'll grow the associations together. Yeah, it sounds absolutely amazing. Larry, thanks so much for taking the time out to chat to me in the Big Red Bench. I know a lot of people in Cork will be delighted to hear you. And enjoy the golf when it opens up. I think in less than two weeks now, you'll be back in the golf course, being able to just get away from all the madness that GA brings as being as president of the GA brings. Yeah, thank you very much, Valerie. President of the GA chatting to me yesterday, in fairness, giving me all the time in the world yesterday, Good Friday. Um, I really like Larry McCarthy. I really think he's going to do really well in his role. And I wish him the very best for the years ahead. But that was Larry. If you missed it, I will be podcasting it after the show. But let's keep it going now. Colm O'Sullivan has been speaking to Liverpool and Ireland legend about this weekend's Premier League football and also a difficult week for Stephen Kenny's Ireland's team. Colm started off by asking Ronnie about tonight's Arsenal versus Liverpool game. Yeah, a terrible start from Arsenal, wasn't it? Um, they didn't look as if they were going anywhere with Arteta. But then they again, they... they they believed in the manager. He believed in himself and he believed in the players and now they're getting results to show for it. Um, Liverpool, I don't, I, we don't know what to expect again. They're all coming back from international duty. There was plenty of them away. They played a lot of minutes as well. So you don't know what you're going to get with Liverpool in any given week. Hopefully, after the last couple of results they had, they, they've, got, they've got back to winning ways a little bit. So hopefully that'll help them. I can only see it as a draw. Um, I don't think Arsenal are really outstanding. I don't think Liverpool have been playing that well. So I can't really say, I, I can't see either side win. I'm only, I'm only seeing it as a draw this Saturday. On Sunday, then Southampton and Burnley is the early game. Then you got Newcastle against Spurs. Jose Mourinho needs to keep winning to keep his job at, at White Hart Lane, really, doesn't he? I mean, if he's going to stay there. Likewise, Steve Bruce is probably in jeopardy as well at Newcastle. They're right down there, close to the relegation zone. But you probably fancy Spurs, I reckon, Ronnie, wouldn't you? As fancy, fancy sports to win the game, um, but it is amazing the way it's gone at Tottenham, isn't it? That people don't believe in Mourinho. Um, I don't know whether they'd be in the league where they are if Mourinho wasn't there. You know, he calls people out like Deli Alley. We've talked about this before, and um, like Luke Shaw at Man United, he wouldn't play, and everybody thought he should be in. Now he's playing at Man United. Luke Shaw is one of the best players this season. So Deli Alley's now in the spotlight. He's had his problems with. Um, Bale as well, Gareth Bale when he come in on loan. So, yeah, he's fallen out with a lot of players, but now it starts or it looks like he's starting to fall out with the supporters and the chairman, um, Daniel Levy. So it's a big one for Tottenham. They have to win this one. They should win it at, at Newcastle. But I think if they don't win, it'll say a lot about them and what's happening with Jose. Villa and Fulham then. Fulham um, still hopeful of getting out of the relegation zone. They've had some good results in recent times under Scott Parker. Do you think Fulham have enough to stay up? Um, I've looked at them a couple of times lately. Yes, I, I do think they have enough. And that, that then brings Newcastle right into it, doesn't it? And then yeah. and a couple of others. So, yeah, I do think the cable... I can't see... I don't see them winning this game. But I think there's enough games left for them that they may be able to just claw themselves away from relegation. And Man United is still in second place. They're playing Brighton on Sunday night. Um, United have been... It's been a kind of a strange season for them because they've had some great results. They've had some mediocre results, a few terrible results. But I think if United were to get a second-place finish, they'd be pretty happy with that under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And they're still in the Europa League as well. Yeah, they'd absolutely delighted they'd be with second. Um, I don't think they could have imagined it, what, 18 months ago that they, they would finish up second in the Premiership. But... Um, again, it's another manager who's turned them round. The belief between manager and players now is good. Um, so, yeah, you're looking good for United, but they, they still need to keep winning as well. There's a lot going for second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth spot. So 
Yeah, they've got to keep winning. Two games then on Monday night, Everton and Palace and Wolves and West Ham. Two teams there who have aspirations for the top four. I know you said last week or the week before that you didn't think West Ham would get there. Do you think West Ham or Everton have potential to squeeze into that top four? Obviously, there's a lot of teams battling it out for it with the the likes of Liverpool and Spurs and all them lingering around there as well. But do you think they could upset things, one of them? See, they're the two teams you're looking at and you're going, well, I don't know, Everton, West Ham, will they last? Is the squad strong enough? You know, there's a lot of Evertonians doing a, a fair bit of moaning because they started to drop off. Um, they're not playing as well as they were. They, they don't seem as lively as, as they were. So there's a bit of moaning going on about that. West Ham, who've done really, really well. We thought they'd drop. Well, I thought they'd dropped off, and but they've picked up again. Yes, they have huge aspirations to get in the top four. Um, I think they'll have to depend on other teams and their results. I, I, I still... I still fancy other teams above them to finish in the top four. Just before we finish, Ronnie, we want to chat about Ireland very briefly because um, when we were talking two weeks ago, we were looking ahead to the games against Serbia and Luxembourg and we took it as a formality that we'd beat Luxembourg. We thought, no bother, we'd beat Luxembourg and hopefully we might, with a bit of luck, pick up a point or or maybe even sneak a win against Serbia. None of those things happened. Um, We did take the lead in Serbia but ended up being well beaten and the Luxembourg game was an absolute shocker for Stephen Kenny and his team, wasn't it? Yeah, that's that's when the manager has to keep looking over his shoulder, um, see if they're coming to get him out of the job when they have results like that. When I played, it was Liechtenstein away, who everybody talked about. We drew in Liechtenstein. Um, but for me, this is a, a bigger result, um, a bigger bad result for the Republic of Ireland. Luxembourg were usually the whipping boys. But then again, Luxembourg then went against um, Portugal, didn't they? They took the lead against Portugal, yeah. although they, they came out losers in the end. But... Um, Stephen Kenny, if he wants to keep his job, you, you cannot lose these. Then you go and play a friendly against Qatar. Maybe he hasn't put all the players out he'd want to put out, but he's going to playing against Qatar. And you, you think that could be the win, that they'll just um, set them going, but they only drew that one. So it's hard times for Ireland at the minute, the manager and the players. I would not, honestly, at this time, get rid of Stephen Kenny. I think he's going to see this out for, and even for the World Cup qualifier for Qatar, see how it goes. Um, you cannot just put a, a, a man in and all the ideas that he's got in there are good for me the passing they, you know Serbia yeah. early on they played really really well so there's a lot of good stuff as well but there's too much bad stuff unfortunately he's been unlucky as well Ronnie hasn't he I mean a lot of things have gone against him since he came in and he came out fighting in the, the other night in the, in the interview after the game he said he's a long term plan the FEI do seem to be very much backing him at the moment so should Ireland fans keep faith and this might pay off down the line I saw comparisons to Michael O'Neill at uh, Northern Ireland he lost his first or he certainly didn't win in his first 12 or 13 games as well and he actually lost to Luxembourg in that, in that time frame too so I mean they gave him the time it worked out quite well Northern Ireland got to the Euros they had, they had a good few years under Michael O'Neill so will the FAI have a similar mindset with Stephen Kenny, do you think? I think you've got to look at whether, whether things are getting better or whether they're just going further and further away backwards. Um, but some of the football I've seen Ireland play has been some of the best football I've seen for over the last few managers. They do try play it. They do try and get the ball on the ground. They try create chances. They close down people. Um, it's all the stuff I, I watch Man United, Liverpool, Man City do um, on the front foot, trying and trying to create chances. If you haven't got the players or the ability of players is not that good that they're going to create the chances when they should be, there's not an awful lot Stephen Kenny can do. Um, I would keep faith in him, let him have the World Cup, see if he qualifies for the World Cup. Um, And I hope he does. Do you think it's a realistic chance that, that we can? I mean, to qualify now at this stage, we probably have to get wins against the likes of Portugal and Serbia, but you never know. 
Um, Ireland at home, you know, remember those nights when hopefully the crowds will be back in and, you know, there's nights when we've beaten Brazil and Spain, all these big teams at home. Um, anything can happen when the crowd's back. Um, we will have to wait and see. We'll give them till the end of it. Great stuff, Ronnie. Listen, thanks for chatting to us and we'll chat to you again next week. Thanks, Colin. All this. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Welcome back to the Big Red Bench with me, Valerie, with you until 7pm. Now, during the week, I caught up with FBD brand ambassador and the 2018 World Cup silver medalist, Chloe Watkins, as the Irish hockey team prepare for a busy, competitive summer. Chloe, welcome to the Big Red Bench. Thanks for having me. How has life been at the moment? Um, it's 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 been fine. It's been... Um all busy, all go. Um, we're very lucky to be training away. Um, and yeah, the weather's picking up, so I can't complain right now. But yeah, it's it's been a busy period for us, I think, as a squad. So uh, we're getting close to the, the business end of things in the summer. Yeah, you got back to competitive action over the last week or so. How was that, Fee? Yeah, it was so great to be back uh, playing in a green shirt again, for sure. Um and yeah, they went really well. We were playing GB and we'd never beaten them before. So we were really determined to try and get a win this time around. Um, and they went they went really well. Performances were really, really good. So uh, the long period of training has kind of paid off and we're going in the right direction, which is always good. How did you feel your own performance went? I mean, between yourself and Roche and Upton overturning that deficit, it was great on the day. Yeah, Roche was on fire now with the, the penalty strokes. So um she really upped her game to goal ratio. So um I I was happy enough. Yeah, we were we were delighted. It was it's always nice to get on the score sheet. Um I don't often do it, so um and she's probably the same. So we were both delighted uh just to get the win. But more importantly, it was it was about the performance and that was that was really great from a team's perspective. And now you probably have three games to look back on and see what you could learn on going forward. Have you had a chance to look back and see what things you could improve on? Yeah, yeah, we've been analysing them and um, reviewing them. We've already had a couple of review meetings already. Um, so there's lots to take from them. It wasn't just all good. Uh, there were definitely some areas, I know, set pieces and short corners and those kind of things that we want to, to kind of get right for the summer. Uh, they'll be key for our, for our success this summer. So um, there's lots of things for us to work on over the next while, definitely. After all the downtime and lack of games, how much confidence does this give you going forward? Because games and game time probably means everything to you moving forward. Yeah, matches are so crucial for our preparation. Um, it's really hard to replace them. You can only train for so long and you, you just need that competition. But um, yeah, I mean, they went really well and, and it was kind of, you were a bit apprehensive coming into them just because we hadn't played in so long and we'd just been training. You never know kind of where you're going to, where you're going to stand when you get out there. But uh, I think we can all take confidence from them that we're doing the right things in training and definitely moving in the right direction. Um, but there's still a couple of months to go and uh, lots, of, lots of work still to be done. So it's not, you know, we don't need to get too ahead of ourselves just yet. Yeah, having the games delayed, I mean, it probably was a big disappointment for you last year, but how was it How was it for yourself trying to keep that motivation up, Chloe? It must have been difficult. Yeah, it was It was really hard. Um, we were so close. We were just a few months out and, and uh, you know, everything was coming around. Um, so it was hard to kind of get it all pulled in such a sudden manner. But, 
you know, um, we, we took kind of a month to ourselves to kind of get our heads around things, to organize our lives for another year as well. Um, and I got a puppy as well. So that was my emotional uh, definitely helped things in my household. But it, it, it's great to be back training. We're very privileged. Um, and I think we're through the worst of it now. So you can definitely see light at the end of the tunnel. This time last year, were you doing accountancy exams? Have you those over you or whereabouts are you with studies? Um, I, I did a few. I did. Um, I was able to sit some exams in December. Um, so that was that was a bonus, I think. Um, I'm working with Mazars, so I was able to go back to work once the Olympics were postponed, which was also, um, you know, really great from just a mental perspective, having a, a daily routine and that kind of thing and knowing I'm ticking off things, progressing that side of my career. So I was very fortunate. Um, and then, yeah, getting a few exams done. So probably won't be able to take any more now in the next few months. Um, it's all hockey from now on in. Well, what how what have you left in the studies wise? What have you left to do? Is there um, I've, there? Yeah, I have another year. I have another year to go. So um, a, a couple to tick off when I get back, hopefully from the summer's events. But uh, it was still great to get some done that I didn't think I'd get done, you know. So yeah. uh, there were positives and negatives, but still a bit to go. I'm not free just yet. How are you balancing both? I mean, they're not exactly easy exams that you're sitting <laughs> Yeah, um, well, I suppose my employer is really, really understanding. Um, it just helps a huge amount um, when they can just uh, give me the support that I need to to keep training and to keep um, working and studying. So uh, it was a lot, but for the time that was in it, I, I had to just try and focus on on working exams when I could. And now it's back into hockey mode and they're supporting me there again. So uh, I'm very, very fortunate that Mazars are so, so helpful. Did maybe the Olympics being postponed or deferred kind of help you a small? Because I know early last year you went for minor surgery. So would you have been fit and ready and able for the Olympics? Or did this give you the opportunity to go, OK, now I'll be properly fit and ready? Um, it was it was definitely a tight time frame that I was working off last year. Um, I had to get a small procedure done in February and then take four weeks completely off, which at that time I had never, I never had to do. So now in hindsight, I'm like, well, we had six months off uh, that we didn't think was coming. So uh, it probably, it probably has been a good thing. I, it gave me extra time to recover because I didn't know if I was going to be able to get back. I was certainly determined to get back for the summer, but yeah, who knows how it would have gone. So I am lucky. And also the fact that I was able to get the procedure done, which might not have been a possibility now with COVID and everything else. So very fortunate. How are you health wise since that? Is there been anything since? Was it your heart, Chloe, that was wrong? Her palpitations, was that it? Yeah, um, I just, I, I was getting palpitations more frequently and, and they were quite, for um, for quite long periods of time as well. So, you know, uh, it was keeping me out of training and it was fatiguing and, and that kind of thing. So, um, I was just advised to get it dealt with um, rather than keep putting it under stress uh, with the, the intensity that things were going to get to. So um, I'm, I'm fine now. I, I'm successful. I feel all fixed and, and, and uh, so far so good. So yeah, happy. Good. I think when people think of heart surgery, you know, everyone kind of goes into panic mode straight away, but it doesn't have to be as serious as people think, you, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'd never even 
gone under the knife for anything. So um, I had about a day between them deciding it was happening and going in. So I didn't really have time to focus on it or dwell on it or worry about it. So uh, it was it was mo- like they went in through my leg and it was so uninvasive. I was really um, so surprised with what they can do. But it was just amazing. Yeah. Well, wow, that sounds so interesting that you'd think that, you know, as I said, you think they'd be cutting you open and yeah. into your leg. That's so interesting. You must have found it, especially yourself as well at the moment, you must have found that quite strange. How How was yeah. your recovery from that? Obviously, it didn't take long for you to get back on your feet. Yeah, um, so I, I had to just take four weeks of completely no stress on the heart or anything. So it was literally barely able to do walks. Um, so it was a complete change to the load that I was used to. Um, but then once that, that period was over, it was just about gradually getting back into training and there was no other side effects or that kind of thing. So uh, it was very seamless and I was, yeah, just so grateful to be able to get it done. Brilliant. Well, it's great. It's great that you're back and you're healthy and you're fine since, thank God, and that all went well with that. But you had a competition recently and it was great to get the team back out. But probably what you're looking ahead now is is the European Champions first and then the Olympics. Are your sights set on both or are you looking at the Europeans first? Um, I I think it's hard not to have the Olympics in your in your mind in some capacity, but definitely the European Championships are going to be really, really important for us because they're also a World Cup qualifier for 2023 or whenever it is. So um, it's it's really important that we perform in, in the Europeans. And, you know, we are going to be looking to to medal as well. Um, it's an opportunity to play against the top teams in Europe, which are some of the best in the world. So it's a great preparation and run into the summer. So uh, I think we're focused mainly on ju- uh, June now in the Europeans. What's the competition like in the team at the moment? Is it how many gets to go to Tokyo? It's not, I know it's a very small number, like 16 or 17 out of maybe a panel of 30. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's less than a normal hockey tournament. So normally you'd have a panel of 18. Um, but for the Olympics, it's down to 16. It's one keeper and 15 outfield players. So it's incredibly uh, competitive right now. Yeah, as you said, we have uh, upwards of 30 training um, and and. Uh, 20, 23 or 20, 22 or 23 um, that can go to sort of match um, ma- pre- preparation matches and friendly matches at the moment. So it's really um, competitive. It's good though. You need that kind of healthy competitiveness within the squad and everybody's just pushing and doing their best. Um, so it's going to be yeah an interesting few months. I suppose I know it's not it's it's probably hard in a way not to get excited about it. I mean, you get to go to the Olympics as a possibility of a medal, you know, the excitement of coming home. I know it's going to be a strange tournament, no fans, no family, COVID test, maybe a vaccination before you go. But you must be you must enjoy the hype at the same time, Chloe. I think that's important too to take it all in. Yeah, I mean, it, we know no different. Um, I know it's going to be a very different Olympics to what is gone but we we don't know anything different so it's it's not really going to affect us that way we're just so grateful to be able to go out and compete and and hopefully uh, perform so that's the main thing for us but it is really exciting of course to be involved and um, hopefully it can keep building now towards the summer and everybody's looking for something to look forward to so uh, hopefully it can act as that kind of um, thing to lift people's spirits as well. 
Uh, yeah, speaking of lifting people's spirits, a lot of people mightn't have jumped on the bandwagon since 2018. A lot more eyes are on you. You know, people are more interested. There's probably young girls looking at you now as role models going, I want to play hockey. And all that is so amazing and encouraging for you as a player. Yeah, um, I like for the squad, we're always talking about, you know, leaving a legacy and trying to to inspire that next generation of players and, and young girls. Um so it's another opportunity to do that um, to showcase that, the, you know, this is an Olympic sport um, representing your country on, on the international stage. So it's really exciting and everybody's well aware of that. Um, so, you know, it just gives you a bit more motivation to go out there and try and perform to the best of your ability as well. So um, the World Cup was great fun and everybody got on board. So hopefully we can get something similar this summer again. Does it feel like it was a lifetime ago? Yeah, I, it does and it doesn't. Like when people say oh, it was nearly three years ago, I'm like, no, nah, it was last. <laughs> now I'm like, oh God, it was. Um, so it's a bit scary to think, but it's it's like it was yesterday as well in some respects. So uh, yeah, things we'll never forget anyway. We'll live on <laughs> with those for forever. Yeah, but hopefully we'll have new memories this summer for you and new uh, uh, medals and people to follow more when you come home. Um, it was lovely talking to you. Before we let you go, I know FBD, you are an ambassador for them and they are great for Olympic hopefuls also, Chloe. Yeah, they, um, they're Team Ireland sponsors. And um, again, last year with all the uncertainty, it was really great to, to get them, you know, back on board, backing everybody and backing Team Ireland. So um, very grateful for their support um, as always. Well, Enjoy the training and the very best look and hopefully we'll be chatting to a few of you before you head off to Tokyo, all right? Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks very much. Chloe Watkins uh, chatting to me during the week, Irish hockey star heading to the Olympics this year. Looking, we're going to change our... We're going to change direction now and chat a bit about soccer. So the Rebel Army did move to the same pitch as the club men's team. A historic moment for football in Ireland. Cork City unfortunately lost out 3-0 to Shelburne. Vera Powell was in attendance at the cross also keeping an eye on everything. Saoirse Noonan, former Cork star, now with Shelburne, spoke to Lauren. A strong personal performance, a strong team performance. You must be happy going home tonight. Yeah, as I said, I think um, just coming here today, even coming onto the pitch was, was tough um, as it was coming down to my to my ex-teammates and seeing them all um, that was tough so even just to get out on the pitch and put in half a performance I would have been kind of happy um, so I'm delighted I was able to, to give everything today and to get two goals and score sheet and that's what it's all about and get the win for Chelsea A huge performance or possession stats up front for Shelburne today were you frustrated maybe with the amount of converted chances you had today? Yeah I think um, we created loads um, and Abby was phenomenal again in goal this week. You saw her double saves last week were everywhere. Um, and she's only a young keeper and she's had to fill big boots, filling Maria's boots. But um, yeah, look, she she held her own and we could have had a lot more goals, but they're a solid team. And um, that second half, we really had to work hard to keep it clean sheet. And that's what this National League is about. Like there's going to be no easy games this, this year. Definitely not. Turner's Cross here today. How important is it to get into Turner's Cross? I know obviously you're coming back here with a, a different side, but important all, all the same. Yeah, it's huge. Um, I have such great memories from here, um, from scoring here, from being part of, um, I suppose, the best moment of my life scoring against England here and stuff like this. So even just to walk out in this pitch today, um, you get the butterflies and it's it's always a big game when you're here. Um, and to be honest, it's a privilege for the girls. They get to come here every week um, to play their home games, which is phenomenal. And I'm sure, I'm sure the stands will be fairly full for them. Um, and hopefully one day I'll be in there supporting them or something. So yeah, look, it's, it's nice and I'm delighted that I was part of this big day and obviously to get in the score sheet. 
Tha noon and there a glorious day but extremely windy at the cross. You also sport Cork City boss Ronan Collins. Let's take a listen. Ronan, I suppose you were expecting a tough test today and that's exactly what you got. Yeah, no, it was. Um, especially, I suppose, the first 20 minutes. We've we've had a lot to solve in that 20 minutes and probably took us too long to solve it. But I think after that, we did get a grip to it, which is a big statement, I suppose, from the girls to make those adjustments. thought second half was going to need half, but obviously we've given ourselves a bit of a mountain to climb. We were able to climb it last week, but we didn't just quite have those bullets this week. And speaking of last week and this week, two early goals conceded um, in the first maybe 20 minutes. Is that a concern for you moving forward or is it too early in the season for that? Oh, well, that, if you're conceding goals at any point in the game, it's going to be a concern. So we'll focus on the individual moments that that's happening. You know? So definitely something to focus on, but i got to be happy with how they made the adjustments to what was going on. We were probably lucky it was only the two mm. at the time, but I thought the adjustments were made really well after. You can see confidence was building towards maybe the third and fourth quarters. Disappointed to not get on the score sheet? Um, yes, I think we still got to do a bit more. Um, I thought build-up play definitely improved. Um, but we probably weren't able to secure the ball high enough to pitch to get runners in behind often. But I do think our fitness started to tell a bit more over shells at that half hour on. We definitely were starting to get runners. Um, but no, I think we need to secure the ball in that part of the pitch just for a bit longer and allow us to get the support in behind. We obviously have devastating pace, but it's how to use that pace correctly. And you've spoken before about this team being quite young but in terms of kind of today the, the, the co- contrast and f- physicality at times can be quite obvious I suppose yeah well what's interesting now I'll have to get the stats out but when we do um, very rarely there's only one or two teams that usually win a higher percentage of duels than us so we're actually quite good for our age we're mm-hmm. like you got to take I think Ben Shell we're six years younger than them which is a huge proportionate gap it doesn't quite to six years as regards physicality in the Jews. There's probably six years as regards adjustments around the pitch and game knowledge, but the players are really excelling at that for the age they are as well. But no, I think physicality is something they're not bad at for their age, and I think in two, three years you'll see that as something where, from something we're maybe breaking power on or just off, that we'll be really excelling. That was Ronan Collins chatting to Lauren there after their loss today, 3-0 in the Women's National League. We're going to switch it up now and chat with badminton. I will be joined by National Badminton Champion, 2017 Under-17 European Championship gold medalist, Nat Nyan. Uh, it's, been, it's been challenging, of course, but um, I think um, I was very lucky, whereas as an elite sport, we are allowed to practice and we train, so... I literally, I, it was still eat, sleep, train. That was my schedule for most days, five, six days a week, yeah. But um, but yeah, it was, it was literally the same for me. But of course, with being away from competition, not being able to compete, that was a little bit of a struggle. But I was still, I can still do what I love every single day. So it was very good for me. I was very lucky, yeah. Brilliant. Before we get into badminton and maybe what yeah. your daily routine is in just a bit, let's tell a bit. Of, uh, let's tell people a bit about you, okay? So you moved yeah. here from Vietnam when you were very young, and will you tell us maybe why badminton was the chosen sport and how it how it first came to for you to fall in love with it? Yeah, I think uh, my dad. There's two, two, two things, two big factors. I think my dad played, and that's as a kid I followed my dad everywhere, um, and that's that's one of the reason and. And I started to play badminton when I was when I just moved over to Ireland. So it was literally one of the ways to to fit in, uh, really. 
um, with the other kids and just, yeah, learn English and try to communicate and try to have fun. And that's how you start. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you like it? At the time, at the first few, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not really because um, I was, let's say, a little bit lazier kid back then. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't like running around really. But yeah, but then after, um, yeah, let's say I just kept going because nothing else to do. Kept going to play with the kids and hanging around with my dad. And that's, I just started liking it because I found there was more to the sport really, just thinking wise. And I, I felt I adapted really quick to learn new skills. So I think I did have a little bit something, a little bit more than other kids um, learning wise. So yeah, at the time, no. But then after when I felt, oh, I can actually be okay at this, then I liked it. <laughs> yeah, when you started beating people, so... <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. You can. You can say that because you're good at it. You're allowed to. So you started playing it when you're younger and then you figured out you liked it and people probably started to encourage you then. Yeah, uh, my parents definitely encouraged me. And then we were in Calvin at the time. And one of the reasons why to move up to Dublin um, when I was nine or ten, just to give me to get better coaches and play with better players. That was one of the reasons. It was one of many reasons, yeah. Um, so, yeah, my parents definitely saw something, uh, saw a future a little bit in me. So very happy that it paid out, yeah. Yeah, it's paying off, thank God. So as an elite badminton player, what is your daily routine? My daily routine? Uh, well, eat, sleep and train, I can say, but it's train 9 to 11 uh, in in the mornings and then four to half five in the evenings and certain days we train nine to 11 in the mornings then we have gym in the afternoon instead of encore and then you have to fit in your running sessions your cardio sessions let's say after trainings and that and then trying to stay in shape and do eating healthy preparing your food preparing all meal preps and all of that so it's literally you spend literally for me anyways i spent all my days just focusing on what to do next. Oh, I have to pre prepare my meals. Oh, I have to get ready for next training session. There's no, I think the weather was lovely yesterday. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even get a chance to even go outside because I was training and come back from training. Then I had gym. Then, then I, I decided to spend an extra hour or two in the gym because I needed to get stronger physically. So by the time I knew it, it was 7 p.m. I had to go home. I had to have dinner. Then I had to prepare for the next training. So it was, I didn't even get a chance to enjoy the sun outside. So, but that's, that's the life that I chose. And I love it to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> twice, twice a day, every day. Do you get any day off? Sunday's my day off six days a week. Sunday's my day off. Um, I do absolutely nothing on Sunday, nothing. And I love it. Um, maybe have a cheat meal in there, but <laughs> Netflix, some Netflix, sit down on the couch. Netflix. I'm more Amazon and prime guy, but yeah. Yeah, um, relax, spend time with my niece and my sister um, in her house um, just down the road. So that's that's my Sunday, literally, yeah. <laughs> Good, I think you need those breaks when you're yeah. training twice a day for six days a week. You deserve yeah. to do nothing of a Sunday, Nat. But yeah. <laughs> you mentioned at the start, you know, over the last year, it's been quite difficult. And how, how has COVID affected your training over the last year? I know it's picked up maybe in the last few months, but over the yeah. last year, it's been difficult. Yeah, um, coming back for it, it was getting used to like the protocols. You have to at the start, it was very, very strict. We couldn't even touch um, the same shuttle or anything like that. 
So it was it affected a lot of us, but I think we took it very. It was fine for us. Um, we could still go on court and just play. So it was quite good. And yeah, it didn't really affect me that much because I was still in my head. I was still I still was improving and learning new things and training, getting better. So it, for me, it was it affected me in a good way. Yeah. Good. You were back to competitive action there recently over the last few weeks. What was that like? Yeah, um, very good to be back in the circuit to see everyone, see most of my friends on tour. But um, yeah, I've had a couple of good results. I one good result and then I had one not so good result. But yeah, um, I recently recovered from COVID. So my condition and my shape wasn't there, but slowly getting there. And we have four weeks until Europeans, Kiev in Kiev, Ukraine. Um, so I'm just, at the moment, we are trying to just build my fitness and my physical side of my game up and to be ready for Kiev. But um, slowly getting there, yeah, yeah. You mentioned you had COVID. You got it? Yes, yes. Uh, end of January, yes, I did. My whole family got it at that time, yeah. It was tough, very tough period for, for me and my family, but we got there eventually, but... For me, the, the process was very, very long. I literally spent four weeks in a house, literally nearly four weeks in a house and a hotel, literally. So, yeah, How very, you, very long. Has it had long-lasting effects for you? Yeah. Looking back at it now, yeah. Um, I haven't felt like myself on court physically. That's why um, my energy levels is not there yet. Um, I feel get tired really, really quick. And yeah, just get tired really, really quick and my energy levels just goes up here and then just goes down. And then, yeah, that's, that's it. And when your energy levels go down when you're playing, then you just can't think, can't focus and then bad decision. So it's slowly, slowly getting better. But I am, we are working quite hard with the Sport Ireland doctor just trying to sort everything out. So yeah, it's going in the right direction now, yeah. Good, you have four weeks to prepare. I'm glad you're over it. And yeah. I didn't know that yeah. you have COVID now, but it's it's nice <laughs> to see you're recovering from it. But you have yeah. four weeks to prepare yourself. Is that manageable, four weeks? Um, for me, I think four weeks is manageable, yes. Um, I think I'm quite younger, so I think I can peak quite faster than other um, older athletes. Um, for me, I think four weeks would be enough. Uh, would I like more? Yes, but, <laughs> but four weeks is enough. Yes, yeah, yeah to get in a lot better shape, yeah. At the moment, I feel I'm like 60, go hitting nearly 70%, not even. But I, if I can get myself back up to, I feel I can get myself back up to 90, 95% condition. I think that would be good, yeah. Good. In the world rankings, you were 62. Where Are you still 62, Nat, or are you? No, I've moved up 50, 51, 52, 53. So it's, it's gradually going up, yes, yes, yes. Amazing. Um, Amazing. Yeah. That's you. also great, isn't it? Yeah. It's nice to see your ranking going gradually, gradually going up. And I also feel that my game is slowly, gradually, gradually going up. But um, I definitely feel in me and I'm quite confident that there will be a spike, a spike of of uh, results and my performance. Um, I haven't felt that. I felt that coming in the last three, six months. But with the pandemic, it's very hard. Uh, no mm. competition. But I think I'm on the right track to ready to, to spike up my results. Yeah. To, to really get really, really good results. Yeah. yeah. 
Good, and you suppose you want that spike to hit around Tokyo, do you? Yeah, that's that's the plan. That's the aim. Yes, yes. What's what's the dream? What's the dream goal from there? To be honest, the dream goal from there is to take the experience with me and learning from it. But the goal, the results wise coming of it, I liked to emulate what Scott Scott Evans did in the last uh, in Rio Olympics um, to make the last sixteen. I think it's a very tough challenge to. To win the group, if you win the group, you have to beat a seed, which is tops at least one to top sixteen in the world. So I think that very tough, but I definitely feel in my I am capable of doing it if on the day I can control myself, handle myself, handle everything around me, handle the situation well. I definitely feel that I have a chance to do it. Yeah. Nat Noyan chatting to me during the week about his Olympic hopes and dreams as a badminton star. And he made a beautiful video of himself and his daily routine that we will share over on the Big Red Bench Twitter. But that is it for me. What a jam-packed show. Trying to squish everything in. If you have missed our exclusive into Larry McCarthy, I will be podcasting the show a little later on at the Big Red Bench. But thanks for listening. Rory's back tomorrow night. Plenty more sport and action. And I'm back next Saturday night from 6pm. Stevie G is on the way next. The Big Red Bench. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm.